0: Hi, it's Elliot, host of Inspired Edinburgh here. I've put links in the description, so please feel free to come and check out our Facebook page and drop us a message. If I could ask just one favour of you, it would be to review Inspired Edinburgh on iTunes. By doing so, you'll be helping us reach a wider audience and have a greater impact by challenging perceptions and encouraging people to live a more conscious life. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show, and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh. Powerful conversations, helping you reconnect with your purpose. I'm Elliot Reeves and my guest today is Lynn McNichol. Lynn is the co-founder and chair of It's Good To Give, a charity that supports young cancer patients and their families in Scotland. In recognition of your work, you've been awarded the Institute of Fundraising Volunteer Fundraiser of the Year Scotland, the Sir William Y Darling Award for Good Citizenship, the Local Hero Award for Volunteer Fundraiser of the Year, and then in the Queen's birthday honours list in, in 2015, an OBE for services to children's charities in Scotland. Truly remarkable. Lynn, it's an absolute honour to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, again, it's, it's you know amazing to have you here and I've done a fair bit of research in preparation for this so I'm really looking forward to, to uh, finding out a bit more about you and, and having a, a good conversation. So it would be brilliant if you could start by, I suppose, setting the scene and telling us a bit about your early years and your, your background and I suppose really who Lynn McNichol is.
1: Gosh. <laughs> um, well, I hit 60 in December, so my okay. early years, you know, they were yeah. a while ago. I'm, I'm an Edinburgher. I mm-hmm. was uh, born um, just not far from here, actually, down in um, Comely Bank. Um, Went to Flora Stevenson's, so uh, it's really not too far. And um, I've I've grown up in Edinburgh and lived here all my life, and I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. Really? Um, Went to school at Marchmont after after Flora's. I've got my friends, you know, the same friends that I've always had, and Mm. uh, work. I've done all sorts of wee jobs when I was a teenager from working in boots to <laughs> in jewellers shops Um then I went really into I, I tried nursing for a year but I think I was just too young um, and then I just went into doing administration so I did a bit of um, admin and personnel and then that was me uh, it was just that kind of thing and then eventually set up my own business just a few years ago which was doing virtual admin so I was embracing the 21st century yeah and i had two clients who were in england and um, i looked after them but then really my my i don't know just amazing moment came when i decided to do uh, fundraising
0: yeah yeah so i heard originally it was a challenge that yeah, somebody set you, and it, I believe that you hadn't done anything before you you turned forty nine. Is that right? I
1: hadn't. I mean, <laughs> I had, you know, when I was a teenager, I think I remember doing a sponsored walk around Inverleith Park.
0: Uh uh-huh.
1: But I mean, I I don't recall ever doing anything else, and I my husband had had a heart attack maybe two years before forty nine. around about then Mm -hmm. and I think I was just so grateful and also I think the older you get the more grateful you become Um, and I certainly was thinking how lucky I was to live in this beautiful city at this time you know not Mm -hmm. in the Victorian area where you know I don't think I'd have been in a I don't think I'd have been the lady of the manor. I think I'd have been downstairs. (laughs) So I'm really glad that actually I was was born now.
2: Yes. And so
1: I just thought, right, what can I do? And I decided I would fundraise. And I said, I'll do... I said to my husband, so the challenge really came from him, because I said, I'm going to raise £5,000 between 49 and 50. That's a nice way to celebrate my 50th, because I didn't need any toiletries or... Jewelry, I didn't. So I thought, right, mm-hmm. well, I'll do that. And he went five thousand pounds. You can do better than that, Lenny. Why don't you do a thousand pound for each year of your life? <laughs> and so my fifty thousand pound challenge was born. And I do sometimes say when I'm speaking that in the first three months I considered consulting a divorce lawyer <laughs> because <laughs> it was awful. I just didn't know where to start. Mm-hmm. And. Um, but then I think I just, common sense kicked in and I went right start with an event and we did one in the house and um, that was really good and I think I just kind of got the bug for it. I quickly agreed to do a trek in the Sahara, wow. so say it was two months into my year um, the trek was going to be eight or nine months forward and I thought yeah I can do that. And every my family laughed their heads off because they just imagined me not doing the trek, but being in a tent. Um, <laughs> and I thought well, I'll show them. <laughs> and um, I got to meet people who also wanted to do the, simil- the same trek. Mm-hmm. And then we started to um, we had they had to do their own fundraising. Um, and I did my first big event probably in May, and that was at the Sheraton, and uh, we had two hundred and something ladies and it was my uh, Blingo, which has become my signature event. Blingo being bingo and dinner (laughs) and uh, for women only and um, great fun. And by that time I was speaking at um, churches or, you know, women's groups or Rotary Clubs, anywhere that would have me, I was happy to go and speak at. And um, it just was beginning to raise a profile because the charity I was doing that for was Teenage Cancer Trust. Um, because I knew that I could do two things, I could raise a reasonable amount of money if I could do the 50 grand mm. and two I could raise the profile because they weren't known at all in the east of Scotland and so that was those were the two goals um, and I just embraced them with a great deal of enthusiasm and uh, by my 50th birthday I'd raised fifty-five thousand.
0: That's unbelievable. I checked
1: in the Sahara and I'd learned to, to speak in public Oh. And I hadn't done that before either, so...
0: So uh, so how how kind of naturally did that come to you in the beginning? Speaking? Yeah.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh it was just horrible. Really? I can remember doing the first one was at... Um, I was a member of a um, fitness club and it was a quiz night I did and I swear that my knees knocking were louder than my voice. <laughs> I could hardly stand. Really? Um... But I just went, I've got to do this. In order to do what I'm going to do, raise mm-hmm. the money, raise mm-hmm. the profile, I'm going to have to learn this one. So actually I went. Th- I got in touch with um, a business in Glasgow who did training for people doing public speaking and speaking on the radio mm-hmm. because at that time the local radio station had a... Um, an, a was a a moment every day when they did a little bit about public events so you could go down to the radio station and be recorded and maybe two or three minutes but I didn't even know how to do that so I went through to Glasgow and I had a half-day course with them and that was really helpful to me Mm -hmm. Um, and I I got notes as well and that really stayed with me there was one book in particular that I really liked and um, so I read that book from cover to cover several times and it really transformed the way I spoke. Um, am I allowed to tell you the book's of name? Of course. It was called Drop the Pink Elephant and it was by Bill McFarlane. Okay. And y- you actually got a little pink elephant ice cube at the end uh, of the course as well to go with the, the book. So that you could hold the, the, this little pink elephant when you were speaking and it would remind you of the things. It was your trigger uh, for yeah. And the book really changed things. So instead of saying things like, um, not only do we do da-da-da, but also we do this, you turned that around and you said, in addition to doing that, we also do this. Because otherwise you were starting the sentence with not, so it was a negative. Yeah. And it was it was that kind of thing that the, the book taught you. Well, the, I came home, I wrote my first um, letter, having been on the course, and I had written plenty in the months before. And I wrote it to. Um, it was to the managing director of Strathmore Mineral Water because I was looking for sponsorship, and I had changed my my letter so that there was no knots, there was no, and also hope wasn't a word you used either, because. Before, I had said, I'm hoping to raise £50,000. Yeah. So I changed my letter and I sent it off and I said, I'm going to raise £50,000. <laughs> and everything else was just more positive as well. And to my astonishment, the reply I got back said, I love the statement of intent in your letter. And yeah, I'm going to give you the sponsorship of the waters.
2: Wow.
1: What? And so, so that was reinforcement of everything I'd learned. And so I've tried to put that into practice as well. When it comes to speaking, when it comes to writing,
0: yeah.
1: uh, just in your mind. Uh-huh. So, yeah.
0: That's brilliant. That's really, really good advice. I like that. It's good stuff. And and I mean, over the, the four years, I think, yep. after that, yep. you'd raised over £650,000.
1: Well, not alone, but I was the team leader, if you like, of Which the community <laughs> of the East of Scotland. Uh-huh. And um, I had decided I would do it for a year, but then. Um, In the August of that year, before I went on my trek, I met um, a few teenagers who had cancer who were going through treatment and, you know, I had read about it and I had thought I got it. I didn't. I really didn't. Mm -hmm. I met these and there were three or four of them um, came to my house because they were were using it for filming, a little um, film for the charity and they came with their parents and you know talking to them and their parents changed they probably changed my life forever because I had no idea of what the treatments were like
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they were more than happy to talk to you about them they wanted to talk to you about them mm. they compared their scars with each other they talked about like, all sorts of things that teenagers should not have been talking about yeah. and that really changed it for me. Also they asked if they could help me fundraise and so they got involved with events and so I got to know them more and I got to listen to their parents and I began to understand what kind of journey the parents took too Mm -hmm. and that was a biggie for me Mm -hmm. um, because I hadn't really considered the parents. I thought it was bad enough that teenagers were were going through treatment for cancer, but to find out what parents had to go through as well in watching their teenagers go through cancer, that was a big deal. Um, And so that's when I decided, well, obviously I wasn't going to stop. We needed to get this Teenage Cancer Trust unit in um, Edinburgh Mm -hmm. and I'd continued working with them to do that. And I got to know the families more and more over those four years. And we all fundraised together, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I was, had the team captain hat on. Yeah,
0: that's uh, absolutely <laughs> incredible. And so f- from that point, then I mean, when um, and I suppose to an extent, why did you decide to set up your own uh, organisation? What was kind of the motivation for it?
1: Um, I think it was because well, it was it was quite simply because over the those four years, I really got to know the families of mm. many people because you know I was on the ground. If you like, if you're in a bigger charity, you sometimes don't get to meet the people that you're helping. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I I was a volunteer. I was just doing fundraising. I was getting them involved as well. Mm -hmm. So I got to know them and they've actually become friends. Many are are friends now, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I really began to understand how much it split the family up because if you've got a child or even a teenager in hospital Mm -hmm. you've got one parent staying with the child and you've got the other parent having to go to work to keep a roof over their heads if there are other siblings they've Mm -hmm. gone to stay with granny or aunties or friends Mm -hmm. and if there's a pet that's somewhere else as well and i think watching that happen so many times um i really wanted to do something that was for the whole family Mm-hmm. And also, we achieved our goal. The Teenage Cancer Trust Unit was opened in Edinburgh in December two thousand and nine um and there was out of the money that we had raised there was there was four hundred thousand towards the unit that was going to be built at the Western General Hospital and I thought teenage cancer trust is is really grown in these four years. they've got a lot more staff in Scotland. Are better known. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of my job here is done. I'd really like to do something that was about volunteering because by this time I'd realised volunteering had so many benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, to the people that you are volunteering for, but definitely for yourself. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to bring together people who would um, be of the same mindset and who um, we could work together in building a really little charity but that was local but that looked after the whole family and that's really um, I'd started to think about that about six months before we took the plunge because I also realised the enormous responsibilities that are placed on you quite rightly Mm -hmm. um, in setting up a charity Um, so it took us a long time really to decide uh, you know was this the right thing to do because you're not going to do it for six months no Uh, no, once you've started it it's there
0: yeah yeah and and what were the steps that you took um, in going about setting it up
1: Uh, well we talked about it for months we decided on who we wanted to support Mm -hmm. um, and the area so again you're given a plenty of advice on the Oscar website which is the office of the Scottish charity regulator and so you, ha- you know the questions that are coming up. What's the area you're going to look after while well, we went to Scotland? What's the um, what's the group that you're going to look after? It was young cancer patients. What age is that going to be? And I had taken it from teenagers to right down to children um, and teenagers because, um, very ironically, um, a friend of mine, her daughter, was diagnosed in the June of 2009, um, and she was 10. And uh, the cancer she was diagnosed with meant that she was in hospital from June right through till Christmas Eve, so she didn't get out of hospital, and during that time, and so I would go in and visit the mum, and um, I could see that. That's I think where it really brought home to me how it affected the parents, because Dad had just got a job in London, so he was having to commute Tuesday to um, Friday or Monday to Thursday. And then when he came home, he was gonna to have to swap, be in the hospital so that mum could go home and look after the other daughter mm-hmm. and the family pet and do all the washing and the ironing. And I think that's what it, it brought home to me what we wanted to do. Um, so we went to a lawyer and um, there's a lawyer, but well, several lawyers in Edinburgh who are charity lawyers and this one was, and we said to them, I will, we'll pay you please will you do our constitution and and our application Mm -hmm. so that we get it right and so we got their advice so it was important to us that we we started off on the right foot and it took about I think it took about three months before we got our um, notification that we were now a registered charity Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so yeah
0: that must have been quite a moment
1: it was actually it was special. We'd already been started in the January building up, talking about it. We'd come up with a name, and the name came from the whole volunteering. And the, the name came from the fact that I had found it was good to give time, mm. ideas, skills, mm-hmm. put them together wisely and you'll make the money. Mm. And we have.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so what are some of the ways that um, it's good to give? actually help um, you know young people and, and their families?
1: Well, it started off... Um, that what I wanted to do was, um, I, because of the, the, my friend that I'd seen in hospital, I thought the parents almost become invisible. They're there in the hospitals, mm-hmm. but obviously it's the child who's the focus of attention. So I thought I want the parents to know that someone's thinking of them. So I made up um, parent packs and uh, originally they were boxes and we've evolved in time but they started off with a box and it had in it things like um, a book and um, a notepad and pens. Um, There were little treats in there um, like molten brown shower gel and shampoo and conditioner so things that they needed Mm -hmm. but that were nicer than they needed just so that someone, they knew someone was thinking of them and um, I had handed in I think 10 to the ward. And I hadn't even got home and I got a text on my phone from um, um, a mum and actually another dad and they had both said how much that meant to them, that someone had thought about them and that that was really thoughtful Mm -hmm. and I thought, right, we're on to something here. Mm. Um, It's just letting them know. Um, that somebody else is thinking about them and over the years what we've done is we've put in feedback forms and we get the feedback from them Mm. and so we've improved it so it's now in a clear wash bag it's, you know, but we've got notepads and stamps and um, so that they can write a note to friends, I know usually you do it on your phone but it's quite nice to do a note card we put in the stamps so that they don't have to ask somebody to go and get them, they do have to ask somebody to post them but they don't have Mm. to ask someone to do all that Mm. we put in a a fan because if you're in hospital and you're not sick it's a really hot place to be. Mm-hmm. We put in um, book lights because if they want to continue reading with the children the lights go out quite early. Oh, okay. um, so there's things like that, that that we do and so that was a, that was the, one of the first things. Then the dietitian at the Sick Kids asked us if we would do snacks. She said could we do healthy snacks so I took her at her word. And um, I provided um, like f- bowls of fruit and we did oat cakes and cheeses and um, I can't remember what else. But I did get a call about four weeks in to say, Lynn, is there any chance we could get, you know, Kit Kats? <laughs> <laughs> well, we said healthy. Yeah. She went, ah, oh, healthy, that's good, but can we get, you know, these things. Yeah. So nowadays, um, and that was, we would go in and we would just put the food in the fridge in the ward. Now what we do is we have a snack team, and we've got a, uh, they take the trolley down at three o'clock, and uh, they're wearing their It's good to give bibs, and they'll go in and they've got things like pancakes and um, bags of fruit and the cheeses and the oatcakes. Yeah. Not as popular as the crisps and the um, and the and the chocolate biscuits. And if yeah. it's Easter, there'll be Easter treats. And at Christmas time, we take in Christmas day. I. I wanted to, and I've, I've done it every year, um, taking in the Christmas dinner ourselves, it's not hot, it's not like, you know, you and I probably have, but, because the, there's no facilities for them, mm. but we make it as nice as we can, and I'll do a trolley shopping marks, um, and buy the, the best, you know, nice sliced meats, and salads, and Christmas cake and juices that we can, and mm-hmm. the the nurses on the ward on the day will do what they can to make it special
0: yeah. as special
1: as possible. So we did the snacks, the packs, and then we did workshops. And that was to bring the whole family together because, mm-hmm. again, you know, the splitting up. So this meant that we could bring the whole family together, siblings too. Siblings can often feel quite left out. Yeah. Um, and then they'll feel guilty for feeling left out because, you know, their, their brother or sister is very sick mm-hmm. um, and so we bring the workshop, we do the workshops and everybody can come along to that and everybody's the same and we've done things like um, rock climbing um, next one um, on Saturday is um, seedlings so it's at uh, Dobby's Garden Centre, and you will go along and you'll plant up a few plant pots with seedlings, and it's yeah. a little bit of gardening there. But you're getting mm-hmm. something to take home with you. But we've done cupcake decorating, we've <laughs> done um, golf lessons. Um, so there's some something for everybody.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. Really, really good. I read that you also give parents ironing vouchers. I forgot
1: about the ironing <laughs> vouchers. The ironing vouchers started about. Um, maybe about three years ago because I was on Facebook and I saw one of the mums, because she's a friend of mine, and she'd said, oh, I wish somebody could come and help me with this pile of ironing in front of me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not a lot of people were going, to oh, do this or do that. And I went, why are we not doing that? Um, and so what we do is we find out where they live. We find we've got a number of ironing businesses that we deal with. We'll oh. go and get a voucher for that place they will go collect their, their washing, mm. iron it, and then take it back to them. And it can be folded or it can be hung on hangers. And um, Shona, who's one of our parent ambassadors and will speak at events, her little girl Evie died mm. um, actually four years ago now. And uh, one of the things that she talks about when she does that is it was actually the small things like the Christmas buffet, um, because Evie was in hospital at the time, and also the ironing vouchers, and what a difference that made to them to mm-hmm. have just our four ironing vouchers, um, and it just because her husband was was still at work, and yeah. um, so there was his shirts ironed for him. So yeah, oh. they can make a big difference.
0: Yeah, wow. I would like them. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a very sort of entrepreneurial idea actually. It's uh, good good thinking out the box. Yeah. Um so, so what are some of the ways that you, you raise money now
1: then? Um well nowadays uh-huh. we've got such support from the whole community really that we've got people who will do treks for us. So where I had done um the Sahara and I did Bhutan ten years ago, um and then did raised raised money, we now organise treks. So we've had people who have done Um, A very extreme one in the Arctic, that was um, two years ago. We've done the Great Wall of China last year. Um, So you get a group of people who are willing to um, fundraise and they raise a lot of money. I mean, each Mm -hmm. of the treks has raised around 100000 for us, depending on the group size, which is a great way Mm. to... um, get get income um then when you get businesses involved so we're charity of the year a number of businesses Mm. and then they do their own kind of fundraising for you Mm -hmm. and i organize events myself um i think last year we had a dozen events it was too many (laughs) um so we have i still do blingo every year and it's sold out even for uh, almost sold out for 2018 um we do a ball um, and we do an afternoon tea so those are our kind of signature events and they're i mean christmas afternoon tea sold out it's done uh, because it's because people like it and also because it's really important to me that we make our events good value Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah sure ask people to come along and raise money for you but don't over ask Um, and then you just get people i'd rather have people coming back year after year um, than to try and do one big hit at an event, plus mm-hmm. I enjoy doing them. So, <laughs>
0: um, I noticed that you've got patrons, um, actor um, Peter Capaldi yes. who was in Doctor Who and yeah. Olympic medalist Lindsay Sharp, yes. so how did they uh, get involved?
1: Well, um, Peter was, um, he's a wonderful addition, I haven't met him yet. Okay. Uh, obviously it would be really good if I can show him the Ripple Retreat this year, yeah. um, but he's just so busy um but it's a kind of sad one because we have um, a family whose daughter Millie um passed away and um they were friends with Peter okay. and so um they they lo- love it's good to give um one of their other um teenage sons is one of our young ambassadors um and anyway they were friends with Peter so they said to Peter look Um, we really like this charity, is there something you can do to help? And so he said to me, well, what would be a help? And I went, well, if you became patron of the charity, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really good to have um, kind of an A-list celebrity on board. And he's given us um, a couple of films he's done where we can put them up on the website and these I think yeah. it was for our fifth birthday he did a nice one and then for the ball he's done one to encourage people to spend money and at the same time he's he's given us a couple of signed scripts hmm. so that we could auction them. So Fantastic. Yeah. and Lindsay was uh how did I meet Lindsay? Um I met her. I have forgotten how I met Lindsay. Um but it was it was really nice to meet her and as soon as she met us and heard about the charity and I said, would you consider becoming a patron? She said yes and it's, she's been fantastic with our young ambassadors because she's come along and had a chat with them and um, given them a bit of motivation. So yeah.
0: yeah. That's great. So uh, the ripple retreat, which you mentioned there, yeah. is is something that is currently um, in progress. Yes. And that's uh, it's going to be in the Trossachs National yes. Park. Yes. And I understand that you've raised, um, or it will ultimately cost a million pounds. Yes. Just, I mean, just amazing. So, by all means, tell us a bit about what that's going to um, <coughs> involve. And well, yeah.
1: it it, um, it actually has got a really nice story to it because um, when I said to you about the teenagers that I met. 11 years ago, yeah. one of them was a girl called Zoe, and Zoe definitely captured a little bit of my heart, um, and she helped me fundraise, she wanted to do modelling um, at fashion shows that we did, Zoe had no, she'd been through chemo so, so many times, she had no hair, she had no eyebrows, no eyelashes, and, um, but was a stunningly beautiful girl and she said, um, I don't mind, I'll wear my wig or not, you know, whatever you want me to do. But she actually had six wigs. She had different coloured wigs and she could just kind of, well, I think I'll be blonde today or I think I'll wear the purple one today. And so um, we decided to do a fashion shoot for her. And um, this lovely guy came along and said, I'll do the photos for you and, through him I think we met a lady who was a makeup artist and she said um, I'll do the makeup and actually it, it was quite a big challenge for her because she'd never done it before because actually, and I didn't know this at the time, um, to put on false eyelashes it's easier if you've got eyelashes for those mm-hmm. false ones to sit on top of well Zoe had none mm-hmm. um, but anyway somehow or other she managed to do this she gave Zoe lashes, she gave her eyebrows and um, she just enhanced what she already had Mm. and we did the fashion shoot and we did different locations throughout um, Fountain Bridge area of Edinburgh and uh, the photos are fabulous Um, and we showed them we made them up into a little film actually and we showed them at events and Zoe just thought this was fantastic and um, she would speak at events too and you know she was only 16 Mm. Um, I thought she was going to beat it but she didn't. Mm. The cancer returned for a third time and her body just couldn't take any more chemo and radiotherapy and she lost her life five days before her 18th birthday. She was the first young person. I mean you know I had never met anyone under everybody that had died, or funerals I'd been at, they'd been aunties and uncles, mm-hmm. you know, they were, they were older. Yeah. It was sad, but it was okay. This was so not okay. Yeah. And um, that really affected me. So, just remember Zoe and move forward to, um, it's good to give. We knew we wanted to build something I knew that we couldn't even start looking until we had enough money in the bank. Mm -hmm. So I think it was maybe about three years, we had 300,000 in the bank. I was really quite happy. We said, right, okay, that's probably enough to start looking for land. And we'd been down to East Lothian and we'd had a look at uh, plots of land down there. They just weren't quite the right shape or they just weren't in the right location. And um, we just were taken on as um, a charity, Uh, that they were going to support by the Scottish Property Awards and we were told if you can make a flyer up, this was on the Monday and the awards were on the Thursday, if you can make a flyer up today on the Monday then we'll put them out on the Thursday in Glasgow and I was like design a poster (laughs) and have it printed by Thursday because you know I run the charity by myself Ian's there too, obviously, but it's really just the two of us, but really just me doing the day-to-day stuff. Oh, I'm okay. no designer. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Somehow or other, we managed it. We, um, the printer said, I'll design you something. And they did. They printed it, and they even delivered it to Glasgow. So one um, flyer went on every table, and I was thinking, oh, this will be good. And then Ian said to me, why don't you put the flyer, which I had in PDF format, why don't you put it onto your next newsletter that you're sending out? Our database was maybe around a thousand people. So I went, OK, then that's a challenge as well. (laughs) OK, so I managed to figure that one out, put it onto the newsletter. So between it going down the tables and then going out on the newsletter, I got a call within a couple of days. And this guy said to uh, to me, um, I see you're looking for land. Um, I've got some land and I'd quite like to talk to you about it. It's in the Trossex National Park. And I'll be honest, I was a little bit cynical thinking, yeah, <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. So I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll get my husband to call you back. And uh, so I said to you, there's the number, there's the guy, you go and phone him. So he phoned and he came through, he said, no, no, we're going up on Saturday and we're going to have a look at it. And I went, okay, that's great. And I still think there was a bit of me going, you can't be given land. Somebody can't just <laughs> give you land. Yeah. So we went up to, to the Tossocks and I mean, see, as soon as we drove along the road, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm already in love with this place. And um, we drove along, went up to his house and we met David Ferguson. Who is salt to the earth guy, and he said, "Well, I've just bought this house. It's got twenty-two acres. I don't need them all, um. So I'd like to give you. What do you think you need and I went, Well, I don't know. <laughs> and um, so he said, "Well, go and speak to the planners then." So we did. We went and spoke to the planning authority, which is in the the Trossachs National Park planners, and they said to us, "We don't let people build on the shores of a loch." <laughs> tell us about your charity so we told them about the charity and uh, they went well that's pretty special and you know we are trying to promote the park as well as a place of peace Mm -hmm. and well-being so okay so they thought about it for a long time and they said we'll consider it but don't come to us with an ordinary um, design it has got to be exceptional and exceptional was the word used by chance, in the way that fate sometimes has in store for you, we were introduced to Tony Kettle, and he had designed the Falkirk Wheel, and he was part of the team that did the Scottish Parliament, and he said, okay, I'm quite interested, I'll see what I can do, but he was working in the Middle East, and he said, I'm away there for the next couple of weeks, I'll get back to you. So. I don't know what my own expectations were but I'm not sure that they were that he would come back with a drawing Mm -hmm. Um, but he did he came back and he said right I want to meet you and I've got this drawing and in fact I'm pretty sure he actually had done a little little design it was about this size and he just produced this drawing and we were like oh my gosh (laughs) 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 really and uh, we thought that's surely is exceptional so we showed the draw. that it was very much a sketch to the planners and they went yep that's the kind of thing we were thinking about you know go away and do it now I mean it took us a long time I think it was well over a year maybe longer before we actually had plans that we could go to planning but I won't ever forget the day that we went to the planning committee because there was Ian, Tony and I and we went to the planning committee and they really did grill us Mm. there was a lot of questions um, because because they hadn't allowed anyone to do that before yeah. but they really did like what the, the charity was about they loved the design we had to make some changes and um, we had to move it slightly and um, that day we got it I did cry <laughs> um, and actually that was the day that the really hard work started because we knew that we were going to have to raise a lot of money for it
2: yeah yeah
1: but we have and we're 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 now just eight weeks away from it being ours
0: jeez that's absolutely amazing okay and zoe
1: ah sorry <laughs> a bigger part of see it's that's okay. terrible no well, not at the all the lovely thing is that as david was talking to me um not the first time i don't think but he said to me i just want you to know that my niece was zoe's best friend Oh my God. I know. And somehow David came into our life at the right time because, you know, as we set up, it's good to give it wouldn't have been the right time. We didn't have enough m- we didn't have any any money to start with. Uh-huh. And he came along at, at the right point in time. Yeah. It was real fate. Gee. And it took me back to Zoe. That's so yes, on our donor window will be Zoe's name. Oh, it's
0: amazing. Oh.
1: that one is kind of...
0: Yeah. Jeez. And, and so what's the design like then?
1: Well, it's... Um,
0: <laughs> okay, Yeah. <ripple>. Like that.
1: <laughs> and um, it's, we called it... The, the, its working title was the Ripple Retreat. But I mean, as soon, it soon just became... And I went, we just have to call it that. It's just right. Uh-huh. And Tony's designed it. It actually... His inspiration was a Kirby grip on his uh, wife's dressing table.
2: Oh, right, And okay. actually,
1: if you do look at the, the retreat, you can see that where that came from. Uh-huh. But obviously, it's also the ripples of the, the loch and of the hills that are behind the loch. And um, the colour of the, the roof is a kind of greeny-blue. Um, it's zinc. The roof is made of zinc, but it's been treated um, this greeny-blue colour. And if you're behind it, mm-hmm. um, if you're up the hill behind it, looking down on it... It's b- you—you'd barely notice it because it's very much the lo- the lock is this kind of greeny blue colour too. It's just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Wow! I'll everyone need, that sees to, it, yeah. who everyone who's seen the pictures uh-huh. and has then come up with me to the site has gone. Uh, just the photos don't do it justice, and they don't. <laughs>
0: I'll definitely need to see it once it's done. Oh, yes. 100%.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: <laughs> so what what do you think are some of the main reasons for the amount of success that you've had?
1: I think probably passion is the big one. Yeah. I, I care very much about what I'm doing. I care about the kids. Um, sometimes I wish I didn't, because <laughs> it can hurt so badly mm. um, I will never forget the day you know, that I found out that Zoe had, had died mm. and you just think of a 17 year old girl doing that or Evie who was 2 years, 2 months old or yeah. so many other people now that I've got to know I have been to 15 funerals oh of under 22 year olds and y- mm-hmm. and I I can't change that, mm-hmm. but I can do something that makes life a little bit better during treatment or to give them this opportunity to have a break. And so, why would you not take that chance? Yeah. It's a bit of a no brainer, really. But mm-hmm. yeah, and I am passionate about it. Yeah. And I love fundraising. Yeah. yeah it's, I love it's it's it. Amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, and I mean, obviously you know all the awards and, and recognition that you've received um, for that as well I mean what does that mean to you?
1: The awards are lovely of course they are you, you, I think you'd be foolish to say otherwise mm-hmm. um, because it's, it's nice to have your volunteering work recognised um, and I think in a way it's. I think especially for volunteers, I just want to encourage volunteering so much that it's really nice. Probably one of the nicest ones, and for my dad, the nicest one is the Sir William Y. Darling mm. Award for Good Citizenship, because I suppose that's a reflection for my mum and dad as well, that they did okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in bringing me up. <laughs> um, and my dad himself is a, um, was a volunteer at St. Columbus Hospice for something like 25 or more years so I, you know, I, I I, knew about volunteering I just hadn't thought of doing it myself until a bit later in life and I'd love people to start earlier because it's just fabulous to feel so yeah the awards mm-hmm. are lovely of course they are mm-hmm. and and then they're helpful to me in my fundraising because people see that you've been recognised for the work you do so yeah. it just gives you a bit more um, authority in what you're doing.
0: Uh-huh. When did you find out and what were the circumstances around um, being awarded your OBE? Uh,
1: That was quite fun because (laughs) actually um, I was going through um, treatment for cancer myself ironically and so uh, by that time I was pretty much housebound because I had not done well with chemo and uh, so the safest place for me to be was in the house. So I just worked on the charity from my computer in the house, did all I could, arranged people to do various things. And um, I can't remember, if it was a Saturday, it doesn't matter. But anyway, um, I went to the door to collect the post. My husband and I have a bit of a competition to get the post. <laughs> okay. It's a bit sad, but you know, I get excited because there might be a cheque in there or yeah. you know, what a prize yeah. for a raffle. And so we have a bit of a, this this thing. So I had got to the post first, and I picked up the envelope, and I thought, that's a bit of a special envelope because it is. The envelope is special, is and. Because it's not a stamp, it's franked, but it's not like your regular franking machine. Yeah. And um, I thought, that well, what's this? I think it might even have said Buckingham Palace.
0: Oh wow.
1: Um, <laughs> and my first thought was a garden party, and my second thought was, well, I can't go. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and so I. I think Ian was shaving or something. Anyway, I opened this envelope up and I remember looking at the at the letter and thinking, what does that say? An OBE? O- <laughs> Me? <laughs> and I can remember going through to the hall and shouting on Ian and, uh, quite a bit frantically because he was actually quite, he came rushing through thinking something was wrong. And he was going, what is it? What is it? And I'm going, can you read that? read it out to me. (laughs) And I think I've lost the ability to read. Um, So it was a really, it was a bizarre, special uh, morning to read that. But then it said, you can't tell anybody for six weeks.
2: Really? That was the worst
1: thing ever. (laughs) What? (laughs) You've just told me this and I'm not to tell anybody. And, oh and then you God. were to you were to phone and reply, I think I probably did belt and braces because I think you were to send something back, which I did, and then and then i, went, I think I'll phone them as well. I just saw that you're sure. I yes. do want it. yeah. It <laughs>
0: um, so, yeah. must have been so tempting to go straight to Twitter or Facebook and say Guess I'm always what's just on social
1: media. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> and actually um, one of the nurses um in the ward uh, had said said to me, well, like in the six week period, and I was coming close to the end of the chemo, and she said something to me like, because um, they they got to know about the report retreat and everything I was doing, and uh, she said to me, it's absolutely ridiculous. Some of these celebrities that get um, awards from the Queen, it's people like you who should be getting it, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah. All
1: right. And um, actually, um, maybe it was two weeks after that that it was in the paper. And the next week, I went, and she went, "I bet you thought I was really silly." And I went, "No, I didn't, but I couldn't say anything <laughs> exactly, to yeah. you, you know." So yeah, it was, uh, it was it was a very nice moment. And actually, one mm-hmm. of the nicest moments was the day it was announced. Um, I had three. Of my team who were coming to the house, and we were sitting outside in the garden, and we were discussing something that they were getting involved with for me, and um, my phone wouldn't stop rigging because that day was the day that the press. So I had, I had BBC, STV, Radio Four. Um, I think the Times even phoned me. Uh, certainly the Evening News did, and they, they all, and they were going. I'm going, well, I have to tell you because they're about to come out and film me and you're going to be here. (laughs) And uh, so I'd said, well, you have to be quiet until, I think it was 10.30 that night. And the girl from the BBC was lovely. She was really nice. And um, she'd said, well, we hope we can get it on um, to the Scottish News. And that'll be at 10.30. That's only if it goes after 10.30 well I don't stay up till 10.30 and I certainly <laughs> didn't when I was sick but we were sitting there going right, 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 look okay. I've got my iPad ready to go onto Facebook <laughs> and uh, um, it came to 10.30 and uh, I think it was actually Sally Magnusson who was doing the news that night. Anyway, um, pinged over and they went and um, in the honours list are and there was one or two other people and and then there was me and they'd filmed this wee bit of me and they talked about me go- opening the envelope and everything mm. and uh, I just picked up my iPad and I didn't need to say a word because all I could see was all these messages pinging in and, it, and I stayed up till about midnight I think so it was quite exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I mean I, I couldn't even imagine what it would be like. It was exciting. Amazing, amazing. So y- I mean you touched upon it um, I know obviously you've had your own Um, battles with cancer yeah Um, how was that originally diagnosed and I mean if you can kind of I don't know summarize as to what that battle has has kind of been like
1: I think ironic is the word that springs to mind Um, it was Hogmanay um, 2014 And for whatever reason, was it because it was the new year? I don't know. I decided while I was in the shower just to do a check. Mm -hmm. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, that's a lump. Now I'd had a lump when I was 30 and it turned out to be a fibroadenoma, which is benign, it's Mm -hmm. fine. They removed it and that was fine. Um, So I wasn't hugely worried, but having, being in a world where cancers, you know, common and in, in my the last, eight the eight years before that, yeah. there was a tiny bit of me a little bit scared. But anyway, I told spoke to Ian about it. I knew that I could just make an appointment at the doctor, but of course it was Hogmanay, so it meant I couldn't make an appointment until fourth or fifth of January. Oh, okay. Um. I didn't actually do it until the 6th because the 5th of January is the anniversary of my stepson's death so that's mm. a day that we just block out in the diary to do private family stuff. So I phoned on the 6th, got an appointment on the 8th, um, So I uh, didn't see my own GP, saw uh, one of the other GPs, she was fantastic. She said, pretty sure it's nothing but let's get you to the breast unit at the Western. Um, and I think it was maybe three weeks I waited, went along to the Western, stupidly said to my husband, no, no, I'm going on my own. Because I think, foolishly, I had thought that if he came, that was making it into something more serious than I hoped it was. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I thought if by going by myself, that was kind of meaning it was going to be okay. Um So but by the end of that day, of course, um, after many tests that weren't particularly nice, mm-hmm. um, they'd said that they were pretty sure it was um, cancer. Jeez. And I can remember the... Oh, uh, by the, and, But Ian was with me because um, I had done a silly thing with the car and I'd parked it in a two-hour slot. And it was obvious that I was going to be a lot longer than two hours. So yeah. I had phoned him and said, I think I'm going to get a parking ticket because of where I've parked. And he went, he was just waiting for the opening to come down because he'd wanted to be there anyway. Mm-hmm. And so he said, "Well, I'm just getting, I'll get on a bus, I'll come down and I'll move it. And that's what he did. So he did the moving of the car. So as it turned out, he was with me when they said, um, okay. you've got cancer. And I was so glad of that. Um,
0: it's almost again another one of those sort of fate things, you know? Yes. Yeah.
1: And then they'd said they'd do the surgery quite quickly. There was a, a cancellation, so I got taken quite quickly. But then, unfortunately, I got told that um, the cancer cells were also in my lymph nodes, um, which That's meant there. chemo was going to be added on. So originally, it was going to be just. Um, surgery and radiotherapy but then when it was outside them, um, it was going to be chemo as well mm-hmm. and the chemo was the thing i dreaded and mm-hmm. it turns out i was right to dread it because oh, yeah. uh, me and chemo were not friends and i got pretty sick
0: yeah. yeah but it
1: was five months and you know although they were some of the longest days i've ever endured mm-hmm. um i did endure them and at always, always thought about the kids going through it. And I thought, mm-hmm. no, you know, I'm, I was 58. Uh, not nice, but doable. And kids shouldn't have to do that. No. They just shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So had the radiotherapy, lost my hair, lost my eyebrows, lost my eyelashes. Yeah. I didn't mind my hair. I really minded my eyelashes and my eyebrows. <laughs> Really? It was funny. I hated wearing a wig.
0: Did uh, you wear a wig? Yeah. I didn't.
1: I wore no. it twice. And then I went, do you know what? It's not me. This is me. I am bald. Mm-hmm. I went to a couple of events and um, just took the wig off. Apart from anything else, the choice had been wear the wig and have a face that looked like a balisha beacon because I was so hot mm-hmm. or not wear it. Yeah. And people understood and that's the great thing about it.
0: Oh. so yeah and and I mean, what were some of the side effects of the treatment that you had
1: um, oh. <sighs> the, it was sometimes it was the medicine that you got to help you with the side effects. Steroids did not work for me; they made me very tearful mm-hmm. um and you you could just look at me and I would just just burst into tears. Mm-hmm. Um, I was slowed down so much sometimes. I could hardly walk from, you know, I'd sit in our den or at my computer and I would be looking at the screen thinking, I can't even see it. Um, And I certainly couldn't work full time as I had been, I I had to, and I was slower. Mm. Um, But then there were other days where you were okay, Um, you still didn't want to go anywhere because you were too scared you were going to get infection, because I did. I ended up in the Western for a week. on a lot of antibiotic drips to try and find the, w- the right antibiotic oh, to right. deal with it okay. and um that oh. wasn't nice so no. Um, no 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 and my stomach hated them mm. as as a lot of people do and you get a temperature you no know, it's
0: horrible yeah I, I, again I, I can't even really imagine what that must be like how do you think that that um, you know, whole experience changed you or your perspectives?
1: Oh, well, a lot. Uh I mean, you just feel very lucky to, I'm lucky I got through it. Mm -hmm. I know people that have gone through treatment and don't don't make it. Um, You know, there's no guarantees. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it just makes you feel really grateful to be here, Um, to wake up in the morning Mm. Um small things become really precious things you learn who your friends are <laughs> yeah. um I got immense support from people who barely knew me um and but who wanted to help I w- We would go and find um you know um pots of soup and food on the doorstep for us because you know they knew that well i didn't cook i mean ian took over the cooking Mm. from the minute i was sick um and he's and i don't tell him this but i probably could take it back again but i kind of like being cooked for (laughs) (laughs) so um but it was it was i mean i didn't care i didn't care what i ate um and he was making little fish things to try and get me to eat stuff because your food tastes Disgusting because you've got this metal, m- metallic taste in your mouth mm-hmm. all the time. Tea tastes disgusting. All I could oh. manage was my favourite foods became pan drops and water. Jeez. So.
0: Okay. Oof. Okay, so on a, on a bit more of, I suppose, a positive, more upbeat note, um, it would be really good to ask you a few questions around, I suppose, success and um, purpose, which is something that, you know, I really, really enjoy talking about. Um, so, I mean, for you, what do you think is your, your why, or what do you feel is your kind of purpose in life?
1: That's, it's a kind of hard one. I- I don't know if I feel that there is, I have a purpose. I just know that I like doing what I'm doing. Uh Um, I think it's really important to like whatever it is you're doing. Mm -hmm. Because whether you're here for Evie's two and a bit years or um, anyone who lives to 100, it's not that long. It's short in the scheme of things. And so you got to be happy in what you're doing. Uh-huh. Um, I've found my happy um, and I think that's for the time being kind of my, my purpose I try and be as good a daughter as I can be because I'm very very lucky in having both my parents still with me mm-hmm. um, I've got a fabulous husband who's my best friend so i try and be a good wife I'm a step mum and I'm a, I'm a gran uh, to my two grandsons try and be a good friend. I think all of those things, is that my purpose? I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're a lovely person, Lynn. I've no. got that going for you as well. Um, what do you think you would be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing now?
1: Do you know, I don't know. <laughs> I think I'd be bored. <laughs> I was bored before I did it. There was a period where I wasn't stretched enough um i think now that i look i think back about it i don't think i thought it at the time but looking back now i think i think you were bored and that's why you were trying to think what what will i do that's a little bit different um i'm never bored now (laughs) Uh, ever Uh, bored would be something i might aspire to occasionally um and i really like it this way i do I think, especially having been sick myself, and you know, we've known tragedy with, with Andrew, my stepson, mm-hmm. that um, I'm just very grateful, I think, really lucky to be here and doing stuff I like. Yeah. Not everybody gets to do that.
0: No, it's true. Yeah. Gratitude's a powerful uh, emotion.
1: It is. Mm-hmm. I do it every single day. Do For you? small things. Yes, I do. Yes, absolutely. I don't take a note of it, um, but I certainly think it and I often see it on social media because um, if I can encourage one other person to think like that n- earlier than I did, then um, that's success too, because we really are incredibly lucky. Mm-hmm. Look at the city we live in. I
0: know. <laughs> um,
1: at the time we're living in it. No. Yeah. The fact that you just wake up in the morning and you're, you're still breathing
0: Mm-hmm. 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 what would you like your legacy to be
1: i think i'd really like my legacy to be that i encouraged somebody to start volunteering to give it a go for whatever um, charity it was or for whatever the cause was mm-hmm. if it made them happy and it made them enthusiastic about it then that would be something I'd be really proud of, just to have encouraged someone to do that. I mean, we've got young ambassadors, and that's something that I try to get instilled in them is the love of volunteering that I have. Um, so yeah, I think that's what I'd like it to be.
0: That's great. Yeah, mm. that's, that's that's a lovely, um, lovely legacy to have. And yeah, that's really good. How do you define success?
1: I think everybody's different, but for me, it's being happy mm. um i think if you're if you're happy, it's so much more important than um material stuff because mm. if you've got the material stuff and you're not happy, waste yeah. of time uh-huh. um so I think for me it would be happy and I am <laughs> yeah,
0: you definitely seem it <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> who or what inspires you?
1: Well, (laughs) probably around the same time as I was thinking about fundraising I remember reading a a story in a magazine about a lady called Jane Tomlinson and Jane had had cancer I think for a few years by that time anyway she then went on to write or co-write three books with her husband and uh, what she achieved was unbelievable she, i think she raised over a million pounds um, wow. but the way she did it was i think um, i i i wouldn't i wouldn't want to say for sure but i'm pretty sure that the cancer went into her bones i can't remember where it started but it went into her bones so she endured a lot of pain mm-hmm. and pain management was a really big deal to her But this woman went on and did an Ironman challenge, maybe even more than one, Mm -hmm. but she started with like a marathon. You'll never hear that about me. (laughs) She started with, I'm sure she started with a marathon, and then she went on and did triathlons. But she finally did an Ironman challenge. And I tell you what, I have her three books. And occasionally we'll dip into them again because that was one incredible woman. But that's someone I never met. On a day-to-day basis, it's the parents who have done it for me, Mm -hmm. um, who definitely, definitely inspire me and make me think, what you are doing is remarkable to keep going day after day watching your child Mm -hmm. endure treatments that I now know how horrible they are and you can't do anything about it except watch them. Mm -hmm. You can love them, you can hold their hands but you can't take it away from them and you've just got to sit there and watch it Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and the strength I've seen in so many parents over the years blows me away
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's so powerful nobody should have to go through that Mm -hmm.
1: nope and in some cases they haven't made it so they've then got to go through what i just can't imagine Mm -hmm. in losing your child Mm
2: -hmm.
0: What's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: Well I suppose a lot of it was in the drop the pink elephant, that was probably Mm. Um, one of the, b- it's not a piece of advice, but it was a, it was a tool uh-huh. that certainly changed the way I, I will speak and, and write. So it was a really good one, that one, in, in, the, in the not using negatives yeah. um, and being really positive about your statement of intent. But the other one is, um, a big deal is about lear- is about failing and that really the best way to learn is to fail first (laughs) and um, I think that people often see failing at something as a bad thing and I never have Um, because uh, you know I've done loads of events that um, I wouldn't necessarily tell you about because you know what they didn't they flopped Mm -hmm. they were at the wrong time perhaps That didn't mean that I was going to literally say I'll never do that again. I have said that once or twice, (laughs) but it doesn't necessarily mean it. It means that it was at the wrong moment in time. Maybe if we did it now, it would be better. It was a great idea, but it didn't work then. Try it again later. Um, Or it just didn't work and you learned from it. Um, Because I've done loads of stuff that haven't worked or that, you know, in the normal sense, we'd say was a failure. Uh no no i don't see it like that i learned from it and that comes from my dad
0: okay (laughs) that's a brilliant way to look at things Mm -hmm. yeah that's great if you had the opportunity to speak to the 20 year old you what would you say
1: take advantage of as much as you can um, make the most of every day. Now that I don't mean that as in you know be Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. Just make the most of it. Whatever it is you're doing, make the most of it. If it's you know working in a shop, then you know, as I did um, when I worked in, in, in Boots, the chemist, and I loved it. Uh, make the most of whatever it is you're doing. You know, just take advantage of the things that you can learn.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think when you're young, you just think you've got all the time in the world and you know what, we don't, Mm -hmm. Um, travel if that's your thing, it never was mine particularly, so I didn't miss out on the gap year thing, but if you've got that opportunity and that's what you think you want to do, go do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'd probably say to myself not to be so afraid, I think I was afraid of a lot of things um be bolder i think um yeah i think i i would have said to myself to be bolder i was a bit of a timid 20 year old <laughs> were you yeah i, I was couldn't that imagine child. that one no i was <laughs> i was like oh no i can't do that give it a go mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. it's
1: about that feeling a fear of failure yeah lose that
2: Mhm.
1: Mhm. um You know, yeah. And just love your life. I have the, there's a, I have a wall in the house. um, We have a wall in the house. (laughs) Which has got quotes on it from Winnie the Pooh, who I love. Very wise person was Winnie (laughs) the Pooh. So I've got quotes on the wall from Winnie the Pooh. And one of my favourite ones is, um, volunteers don 't get paid not because they 're worthless but because they 're priceless
0: oh that 's so good
1: so i 've got that kind of thing um but i 've also got the whole manifesto um and it 's fantastic and um I look at that every time I go past it um, it 's in my utility room, so it 's not in the most ideal yeah. spot but i do but I'm, I'm, it's i 'm in there a lot yeah. and the Manifesto manifesto's fantastic, and it's just basically says that it's, you know um just love your life and i do
0: that's such a fantastic answer that's brilliant a wall of quotes i need to get myself one of those oh definitely
1: (laughs) definitely
0: brilliant okay this is the the final question and i am really um quite excited about (laughs) what you might say in response to this if you could change anything in the world what would it be and why
1: Mm. i change anything in the world
0: Mm
1: -hmm. If it was a big thing, I suppose it would be that um, it would be about health, wouldn't it? I think having seen children going through things like cancer, being through it myself, Mm -hmm. it it would be the change I'd like to see is that there would be that cure for cancer.
2: Mm
1: for obvious reasons because the kids are y- it's bad enough in adults but I think you kind of have to take a bit of responsibility too in that there may have been factors that you have done um, I was overweight, that's a factor in breast cancer don't know, might mm-hmm. just have been that it was going to get me anyway kids haven't done any of those things no. you know, When y- they just haven't so I suppose it would be it would be really nice to see a cure for cancer.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I'm sure there's probably about 50 million things you could wish for a change, but I think mm-hmm. if you're wanting a big one, that would be it.
0: Yeah, that would be huge. Yeah.
1: And it'll come one day.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Lynn. I've had so much fun um, speaking with you. It's been amazing. Um, your honesty and your candor, I just appreciate so much. Um, it's been just a, a brilliant conversation. I've absolutely loved it. And so, you know, thank you for, for everything. Thank you for your time.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> you're absolutely
0: welcome. And um, the work that you're doing, I think, is, is absolutely phenomenal. And I can't wait to see the Ripple retreat <laughs> once oh, it's finished.
1: <laughs> I'll be very proud to show it to you.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> Lynn, thank you so much. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Inspired Edinburgh. Please come and find us on social media and leave us a review on iTunes. Many thanks.